The AP poll was released yesterday. And what are we complaining about? Where did Ole Miss end up and where do we think they need it to be? We tell you next on the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast, and thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, upvote the video itself. We would appreciate it. Anyway, I am Stephen Willis, at the Stephen Willis on Twitter, and the AP poll released yesterday. Now, Let's get straight into this because I do have some thoughts. First of all, Ole Miss came in at 21st, and which is about the point where I thought they needed to be. We had this conversation during the coaches poll last year or last week, but 21st is about the right place. Now, if you look at this, they got Alabama first. Ohio State got like six first place votes. Then there's Georgia. Georgia's replacing a lot on defense. If you want questions about that, SEC after dark is the place you need to go for that. Clemson and Notre Dame and Texas A&M at 4, 5, and 6. That's kind of a trio of what? Okay. I like Utah there. I like Michigan, honestly, there. Oklahoma at 9 is okay. Baylor at 10 is okay. I have no problem with Oregon at 11. Oklahoma State at 12. NC State at 13. They should be higher. I think NC State might win the ACC this year. They're that good. And Southern California, that's kind of a hype pick. Michigan State, and let's see how they do without that running back. Miami, that's a reputation pick. Pitt, that's off of last year. We don't know what Keaton Slovis is going to be able to do up in Pittsburgh. Wisconsin, I have no problem with. And then you get a triumvirate. These three teams are going to be major players in the SEC this year. Arkansas at 19, Kentucky at 20, Ole Miss at 21. They're not separated by much, but all of those games are going to be wars. Kentucky goes to Ole Miss. Ole Miss goes to Arkansas. Should be a lot of fun during this season. Um, If you've heard me talk in the preseason, I honestly think that Arkansas game is a loss for Ole Miss because of where it sits in the schedule. Wake Forest at 22. I don't know about that after the Sam Hartman news. Um, Cincinnati, first group of five team coming in at 23. Then you have Houston, who is probably the top group of five team. And then BYU, which is technically a group of five team. So um, all of those, by the way, are future Big 12 schools. The only ones missing is UCF. So pretty interesting to look at what's going on in the AP poll. I do think that Ole Miss is about where they kind of need to be I think too much higher and all of a sudden you're starting to deal with expectations for a young team with a lot of pieces coming together now I don't I'm not saying I don't think that I think Ole Miss is ranked in the right place where they are talent wise I I don't believe that but I think they are where they need to be if that makes sense so round 21 is the right spot for that you have potentially Jackson Dart or Luke Altmyer. You have a bunch of young guys, and it can absolutely avalanche towards the end of the season. 
It can go the other way too. But it can absolutely avalanche towards the end of the season with um, how much talent this team has. So, um, yeah, 21 seems to be about the right place. In the second segment today, we're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to um, piggyback some more on the Jackson Dart stuff um, from the scrimmage this weekend. Um, Wayne Kiffin did speak last night. We will have a separate video for that, but we will kind of give more thoughts on where this quarterback situation lands. And in segment three, we have Derek Vandegrift putting on his other half. He's going to talk about gambling, and we're going to start working up towards the football season. He's going to be our gambling guy on this show, and this will be his first hit. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. Anyway. I, I I genuinely don't know what to expect with this. The NC State one is a little bit upsetting. It just is. Because they should be higher than that. And, I mean, that, that, that bothers me. And I don't like the fact that they're right next to um, USC uh, and Michigan State, which was probably going to be good. But uh, there's a lot of leeway with 14, 15, and 16 on this list. And I don't like NC State being right there. NC State, honestly, should probably be about where Oklahoma is. They should have been a top – they should be about ninth. Baylor gets the benefit of the doubt at 10th. Dave Aranda is a hell of a football coach, guys. He really is. I told you after the Sugar Bowl, his team reminded me of a young Nick Saban, the way this team played and everything's going on. And he was able to string that together and get that win. Big win for Dave Aranda. I respect the heck out of him. And um, Baylor is just a, was just a really, really good team. Defensively, they were solid. Man, they were solid. Um, Utah goes to Florida in week one. That should be interesting. That If, if Utah is the seventh-ranked team in the country, they should handle Florida pretty um, easily. But I don't know if they'll be able to handle the heat and humidity. It's going to a different part of the country, and down here in Florida – is a little bit different. Um, Texas eight and four. I, I just, I, I, I just don't know what to say about that. I, I think everybody is hyping up recruiting and everything that's going along, and they just assume that eventually they will be there. So they jump the gun so they can say they called it. But Texas A&M still has not found a quarterback that has performed out where everybody can see. At what point does show me come into play when it comes to Texas A&M? Show me you have a quarterback. Show me you can get it done. Because if you're playing in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl in December, all of a sudden this year's a failure. You don't have a quarterback. You set these expectations. That went, that just um, that bothers me. Clemson and Notre Dame bothers me, but not so much as Texas A&M. And the triumvirate that I talked about earlier, Arkansas, Kentucky, and Ole Miss, those these are going to be wars. These teams are on a knife's edge. I think people look at this and it's like, whoa, what's going on? Because of who number 19, 20, and 21 is. But these are three really evenly matched teams. Like I said, Ole Miss goes to Fayetteville. I'm fully right now expecting Ole Miss to lose that game because of where it sits in the schedule. Plus Fayetteville being a little bit of a house of horrors. Ole Miss could win it. I'm not saying it's, it's a done deal or anything like that. But if you look on the schedule, if there's a hiccup that's just planted in the schedule, 
that one is the hiccup. Um, put the comments down in the comment section below. What do you think of the AP Top 25? Who are the overrated? Who are the underrated? What are the interesting storylines that you are seeing based on the AP Top 25? Do that. Put them in the comment section below. And it, it's a pretty decent ranking. Like I said, I'm okay with where Ole Miss is. Um, unranked, I, I'd be a little bit upset because Ole Miss deserves to be ranked. After the year they had last year, everybody likes to say is Matt Corral coming through the Last year's team was not just Matt Corral. This narrative got placed that last year was all everything Matt Corral. Matt Corral was a good player. I'm not saying he wasn't. But the fact that when Matt Corral got hurt and this team continued to win games, that proves that it was more than just Matt Corral. So whenever people say that this team was all Matt Corral, that bothers me. That is a disservice to Snoop Connor, Dontario Drummond. Sam Williams, that defense became actually really good. Um, the defense is the reason Ole Miss beat Texas A&M, not Matt Corral. Again, not saying that Matt Corral was any sort of a bad player or overrated or anything like that. I'm just fighting back on the notion that last year was a one-trick pony and everything was done by Matt Corral himself. That was a narrative that came out of somewhere. I don't know where it happened, but just all of a sudden it was there. And then the Tennessee game happened, and all of a sudden people wanted to just crown him for amazing. I think it was them trying to make him a little bit better than he was, honestly. And they were trying to justify the reasons, like, hey, Matt Corral should win the Heisman, and this is why. I think that is where that narrative came from. Not necessarily, because if you look at what happened on the field, that's not the story at all. But, like I said, Matt Corral is a great quarterback. He's going to be fine in Carolina. As long as they don't force him in this year, he is going to be fine. But, let's go ahead and tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Do not forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. doesn't matter what you say. You can just lay the hammer down on Stephen Willis. Just make sure it's a five-star review. That will help others find the show as well. We're doing a pretty good job on iTunes and Spotify of coming up in the top three right now. But we need to um, come up number one. That's the goal. Um, so if you could do that, that would make us very pleased. Anyway, Jackson Dart had a big day Saturday. You've seen me. I've had um, video Saturday. I had a video yesterday. We are all over this quarterback competition. And we started to think. Yesterday we talked a little bit. as like, what does Luke Altmeyer have to do? And then 
what does Jackson Dart have to do? What does scrimmage number two look like? So we talked about that yesterday, and we pretty much came to the conclusion that if Jackson Dart has another scrimmage like he had this one, he can pretty much sew up the job. Lane Kiffin will not say that. Nobody will say that. But if Jackson Dart has another scrimmage like the last scrimmage, he can pretty much sew up the job. Luke Altmeyer, if he has a big scrimmage and actually fully wins, which, by the way, before this all starts, no matter what happens, that is what you're going to hear after next scrimmage is Luke Altmeyer had a good scrimmage, even though you couldn't put eyes on it. Just a heads up. Doesn't mean it actually happened, but just a heads up on that. And Luke Altmeyer with a good scrimmage can muddy the water. And that is what Lane Kiffin needs at this moment. He needs the waters to be muddied a little bit. Not necessarily for real, but just for public perception. The same thing that forces people to ask questions about Kincaid Dent and things like that. And all of a sudden, this narrative that happens at a press conference, he does a fantastic job of dominating the press conference. Lane Kiffin really does a phenomenal job at that. But... The narrative after the scrimmage, he basically t spins the walk in there. It's like, what do we want to talk about? And last after the last scrimmage, it was about Kincaid Dent. Then people took the bait. And you see stories about Kincaid Dent. And it's all because they need the competition to go on as long as possible. Preferably into the week of the Troy game. Or actually, preferably up until about the Troy game. But that doesn't mean it's necessarily true. Saturday, we had our eyes. We all know what we saw. We saw a quarterback that looked completely different from spring, somebody that was more comfortable, throwing a good football, absolutely dominating the proceedings. That is what we saw. So afterwards, whenever they come into the press conference and they say that, everybody kind of rolls their eyes and they go, okay, coach. They play the game and they do what they need to do. But your eyes don't lie to you in that situation. But coming up for scrimmage, too, there is no eyes. You can't see. You're relying on Lane Kiffin and the players to tell you what happened. So what you need to, need to look for is perfectly worded questions. And I don't know if anybody is going to ask the questions to the players in this way, but they need to figure out a way to basically get a clue because the way these press conferences work is you can pretty much glean three or four facts out of each press conference. Now, it's a bunch of stuff that they're wanting to say, but most of the time it is all misdirection and look away and talking to the team through the media. Understand all of that stuff. But also understand that there is a way that you can find out little bits of factoids, and that way is not Lane Kiffin. So after the scrimmage, you can ask him all the questions you want to ask, but it's the players that's going to be the important part. You need to figure out a way to ask that question for scrimmage two. Now, do I have any faith that that question is going to be asked correctly? No, not at all. And that's fine because their stories is different than what Joe fan necessarily wants to see because this is the crazy thing. They go, people 
that might work in a newspaper or a TV station or whatever, they go to the press conference with two story ideas that they wanted to, to accomplish. They ask questions that are going to lead to those story ideas. They're not asking general questions about the quarterback competition. They may know that Lane Kiffin is not going to talk about the quarterback competition. So that storyline is just on the back burner. If it comes up, it comes up. But they realize they're probably not going to get their quotes for that. So let's ask questions that need to be asked that he will answer. So let's talk about NIL or let's talk about Kincaid Dent or let's talk about anything other than the subject at hand. They play that game, and they kind of let him off the hook um, from time to time. But it is what it is. But understand, when you watch the press conference after the scrimmage next Saturday, if there even is a press conference, I don't know about media availability, try to glean individual factoids. It's not anything where you need to find out what's going on, but try to figure out little things that are said. Little things that might be second nature that they let slip. Little things that other people might overlook. And what I'm telling you to do is overanalyze what they're saying. That's what I'm telling you to do. Because if you go in there and take everything at face value, you're going to leave disappointed and you're not going to have a clue what's going on. It's what it is. Because scrimmage number two, the scrimmage this Saturday, is now the most important scrimmage in several years in Ole Miss football, after the first scrimmage. Like I said, if Jackson Dart wins that scrimmage, if he performs the way he did in scrimmage one, he will win the job. Period. If Luke Altmeyer performs super well and wins that scrimmage, it's going to muddy the water. They want the water muddy. So be careful with every, everything that's been said. Understand that for lack of a better word, people will lie to you over this. And that is just because they want the secret to remain intact. These people do a fantastic job of keeping secrets. Anyway, coming up right after the break, we have Derek Vandy Griff, who is going to talk a little bit about gambling. And we're going to talk about why is Vanderbilt a seven-point favorite in Hawaii? That question's on everybody's mind. We're going to talk to Derek about that. And hopefully he will use the bet online um, line. So pretty fired up about what's going on. So should be really great. Anyway, we'll talk to him right after the break. See you then. All right. Thanks for making the Lockdown Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. You can go to YouTube, subscribe to the channel. You can hit the bell for notifications whenever we put a new video up, which happens quite frequently. And, of course, you can upvote the video itself. We would appreciate it very much. Derek Vandegrift, who's been our baseball guy for the past six months, is going to come on and talk a little bit of sports wagering information as football season gets closer. How you doing, Derek? Good, man. How you doing? Man, I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm just sitting here thinking about it. The thing that keeps blowing my mind is in week zero, Vanderbilt's a seven-point road favorite, like five time zones away. It, that, that blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that just kind of speaks to where Hawaii's at right now, you know, uh, didn't think I'd see Vanderbilt a favorite all year, which wasn't really thinking about the Hawaii game. I, I know they're they're in tough shape, but man, a touchdown favorite on the road going that far away—that's 
it's definitely not one I'm going to touch, but man, that's, that's definitely something I didn't expect to see this year. Yeah, it's one of those situations where you look at Vegas, it's like, do they know something that I don't know? Or what is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, in, in Hawaii, they, they had the mass exodus last year, you know, after the, the whole coach fiasco and all that, and they got, uh, what was it, Tommy Chang or Timmy Chang, that old quarterback for them? Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the uh, new head coach for them now, and, you know, basically having to rebuild that thing from the bottom up. I mean, it's... It's a disaster over there right now. They're they're trying to uh, build them a new stadium or something, from what I understand. They're not playing at the Aloha Bowl anymore, so they're having to play on a on-campus uh, stadium they have. And I think it holds like 9,000 or 9,500 people, something like that. So, uh, you know, that, that'll be something Vanderbilt's used to with their home games in Nashville. Yeah, they might outdraw Vanderbilt, actually. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So what are you looking forward to going into this football season? What are you, what are you kind of what, – what, how about this? What is some bets, not necessarily games, but some way you're thinking about betting games that you could tell other people about before football season starts? Oh, yeah. One, one of them I really like right now is actually in week one instead of week zero. But uh, Oregon and Georgia, I mean, they, they, they've got Oregon as a 17-point underdog right now. Uh, and and I know Georgia's good. You know they're they're one of the best programs in the country, and they've kind of taken that Alabama mentality where they don't rebuild, they reload. You know you see all the first round picks they lost off that defense uh, from last year, and and they're just gonna plug five star guys in right behind them. You know, but uh, you know it's it's not gonna be quite as dominant as what some people thought was the best defense in college football history. So that's that was a really big number. I was blown away when I come across that saw they were giving up 17 to Oregon uh so that's that's one I'm gonna keep my eye on and I'll probably end up taking that one if it stays at 17 uh but you know we got a long way to go till that comes you know it can go up or down one way or another right now uh but you know Oregon with uh uh Dan Landing taking over coming from Georgia you know he he would obviously know how to attack Georgia the best and you know you got Bo Nix over there you know that's that's kind of an interesting transfer he he was up and down in his career in Auburn so uh you know you would think maybe he can make enough plays to at least keep them within that number so that's that's one I'm interested in seeing uh kind of one of the running jokes with me and some buddies of mine is me and another friend we always love betting on Brett Bielema over there in Illinois, you know, we we were big on betting Burt last year, and uh, they're there for the first few weeks. Vegas finally caught up with them a little bit, uh, so so that was one I was looking at earlier day two, and and one you had up on the screen earlier, uh, Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, that's that's an interesting an interesting game because they're they're playing that all the way in in Dublin, Ireland. You know, that's that's a long way for both teams to travel. Scott Frost obviously on the hot seat right now. Uh, might have a little bit of a sense of urgency, see if he can get that thing turned around. So that, that was an interesting game one I'm looking forward to watching too. Yeah, it's an interesting dichotomy in um, week one because it's like halfway around the world college football mm-hmm. games because Dublin, Ireland is probably the other side of the world from Honolulu, Hawaii. So it, yeah. it, it's about as far as you can get, but it's like yeah. um, it's like Western European time zone in Great Britain right by the um, – um, the time zone there in England, and then you mm-hmm. go all the way. And I don't even know what Hawaii plays in, but it's like three hours past Pacific time zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's way out there. You know, but that kind of tells you the the way college football's growing too. Uh, and you kind of see it now with the 
transfer portal and NIL, all the money that's come into the sport. I mean, it's been coming in for a while. Now they're actually just able to divvy it out a little bit. But, you know, it's not just a United States thing anymore. They're kind of taking the NFL model and taking it overseas. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a ton of people there to watch it, too. I know the NFL's done well overseas and all. So, so yeah, they're, they're going to give that a shot with college football. And I, I think it's a great idea, and I'm, I'm really interested to – to see that game when and see the crowd that shows up for it and everything, you know. But but again, mainly the Scott Frost storyline. That's that's kind of the big thing with Nebraska, you know, the 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 alma mater uh, coming back and trying to rebuild that program to what it once was and hadn't quite gone to plan. Uh, but but you know, last year the the record didn't really show it. But if I'm not mistaken, every single one of their games was a single digit game. Uh, I I'd, I'd, I'd heard that a few weeks ago. Uh, so. It hadn't resulted in wins and losses quite yet. Maybe it will this year with the sense of urgency, knowing that he's on the hot seat the way he is. Uh, so that that's definitely a storyline to follow this college football season. Yeah, with Nebraska, that makes me nervous. Is last year they had about the worst special teams that I've ever seen in college football. Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. I want to see that that's corrected. So if they if they can just kick a field goal, get off a punt, I, I, you know they might be in good shape. Um, yeah. So. Ole Miss ends on betonline.net. The line is seven and a half over and under regular season wins. Where mm-hmm. do you sit on that one? Over. Over? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at it, I, I think we win our four non-conference games, so now you're talking about going 500 in the SEC just to hit the over, right? Uh, so you say Vanderbilt. Well, there's one. Um I know Kentucky's going to be a heck of a task in Oxford, but I, I do think we're going to win that game. Uh, so that that could be two right there. But but any combination of Kentucky, Auburn, LSU, Mississippi State, uh, you know, and that's without having to get into the Arkansas, Alabama, and uh, Texas A&M games, you know. Uh, so I, I think we can get to eight. I think that may be our baseline going into this year, you know, but – Ole Miss has got a long way to go as far as answering questions too, right? You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of big question marks we got to answer. Who's going to be the quarterback? Uh, how are all these transfer guys going to end up uh, kind of coming into this offense and being able to play and uh, and defense too? You know, we've got a lot of new faces over there too. I, I think we're going to be fine on that side of the ball. We've we've developed some real depth on the back end and the secondary and up front. Pro- probably more up front than we've had since, Lord, what, 2015, something like that, you know, as far as being able to rotate guys in and out. So you probably or hopefully won't be seeing defensive linemen playing, you know, 55, 65 snaps a game, kind of keep guys fresh and, and have your best guys in there towards the end of the game to – to get a stop for you when you want to. Uh, so there's there's definitely a lot of questions in there, but I got faith in Lane. He's going to figure out this whole quarterback situation. You know, we, we're in a lot better position than most people are. You know, I, I think we have two quality SEC starting caliber quarterbacks on our roster. You know, you can only play one. Everybody knows that. And, you know, if you have two, you don't have one. You know, I, I don't want to see guys getting swapped in and out. You know, I, I think he's got to make a decision here in the next week or so, something like that, and start getting those guys uh, acclimated to whoever the first team's going to be. You know, do do the same thing with receiver. And, of course, we've got this loaded running back room, which I think we're really going to lean on this year. Uh, you know, I, I think we've talked about it a couple times, even through baseball season, just bringing football up here and there, that, you know, 
everybody has this misconception about Lane Kiffin's offense being this wide open, chuck it downfield, throw it all over the place. And I mean, yeah, he does do that. He wants to take his shots, but look at him since he's been here. You know, he's been in the top three in the SEC in rushing yards overall every single year he's been here. You know, and I, I expect this year to be no different. He's he's going you know, sit back. He's going to run the ball, set the tempo that way, and and let that open up the passing game so he can break in a young quarterback this year. Yeah. Did you um, were you able to attend the scrimmage this past weekend? No, no, I, I wasn't able to make it this Saturday. Okay. Michael was Michael was there, your cousin, and he posted yeah. some things about it, and apparently Jackson Dart had himself a little bit of a day, and. Yeah. I think there might be some separation in this quarterback race to where to the point where if this next scrimmage, we're never going to find out about it. Lane Kiffin isn't going no. to talk about it. But if Jack, no. Jackson Dart has a scrimmage in the next one like he had in the past one, I think this job's his. Uh, yeah, and it very well could be. You know, uh, it's it's so hard taking stuff from scrimmages. I, I know that's all we have to go on right now because we're not playing actual football games. But, you know, you when you're in those scrimmages, you don't have to worry about the defensive linemen and linebackers, defensive backs, whoever they're bringing pressure from throughout the game. You, you know you're not going to get hit, right? So, I mean, that that's a whole other element that's taken completely out of your mindset. And, and it's a really big one, you know. How do you handle pressure? Um, and – from what I've read and heard and stuff like that from the scrimmage, we, we had a heck of a time blocking the middle of our defensive line. We we had a lot of pressure coming from, from the middle of the line basically all game, you know. And But, again, they're not going to get there. They're not going to tackle them and get them to the ground, this, that, and other. So, you know, sit there, roll out, escape a little bit, and then fire one downfield. And, you know, it's it's going to be a little different when, when the pads come on and you got somebody else on the other side of that ball, though, and that's – that's really what what will be interesting to see which quarterback can handle that kind of pressure when they're actually faced with it. But again, kind of like we talked about, you got to make a decision before you're able to to see that anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Dart apparently had a very good practice. Uh, I saw Altmyer's numbers too. He seemed to do pretty good too. You know, he's he's more of a deacon dunk, uh, not going to take too many shots downfield, and, and that's kind of what he did. And uh, so. You know, I think it all comes back to not turning the ball over for Jackson Dart, and he didn't this past Saturday. You know, that's one thing Lane's not going to put up with. Uh, if he's got another option behind you and you're going to sit back there and turn the ball over, uh, he can't score if you're turning it over, and, and he wants to score, and he wants to score 100 a game. So, uh, But, again, that's all questions that will be answered later on, you know, uh, when when we get somebody else on the other side of that line of scrimmage. All right. Derek Vandegrift, our – gambling expert he's also going to come by and talk some almost football because you know why not if he's here because that's yeah. what we want to do is talk almost football um, but but we're gonna um, have him regularly like we did during the baseball season to talk gambling and all that stuff and the Ole Miss football games um I, we might not have him next week we might have him next week I don't know yet but um I just wanted to give everybody a look see of what it might be Derek thank you very much for stopping by and, um, I, man, I'm just really excited, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. I'm, I'm ready to get kicked off. Can't wait for some uh, some fun belt sun belt on Thursday nights. That's one of my favorite nights of the week. So I'm, I'm ready to get this thing started and can't wait to spend four days out of my week watching college football. Yeah, that's exactly right. Anyway, get more out of the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and his local experts – 
of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen. Derek, we will see you next time, buddy. Thank you a lot. Howdy, right. toddy, bud. I right, appreciate it. Howdy, toddy. All right.